Domestic violence can be bruises and black eyes, or it can be locking someone inside their house so they can't leave. It affects millions, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and status. It can look like bruises and broken bones, but it can also look like yelling, controlling of money, isolating someone from friends and family, name-calling, and other forms of emotional abuse. Nearly three out of four Americans personally know someone who is or has been a victim of domestic violence. The Violence Against Women Act passed in 1994, and it was landmark legislation led by then-Senator Joe Biden, and it held offenders accountable and provided programs and services for victims. And while the rate of domestic violence has dropped because of that legislation, there is still so much more work to do. So every October, we raise awareness so victims don't feel alone and they can get the support they need to break the cycle. It is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and today's interview is one woman's journey through domestic violence and the light she found on the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you. And it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she is passionate about helping all women make it out the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Happy Even After podcast. I am your host, Renee Bauer, and I am here today with Bianca Madison Amos, who is a podcast host herself. And it's so funny when I started doing the podcasting, I didn't realize that it would just open my world up to so many people and so many other hosts out there sharing their message and really wanting to um, help people through their message and their purpose. And that's how I uh, stumbled across Bianca's uh, Instagram page and her podcast and knew I had to have her on as a guest. So her podcast is called The Once Broken Podcast, and what really drew me to it was her authenticity and her openness and just being really real about her own story and her own um, her history and her journey, and she speaks openly about healing and redemption in her own story of domestic violence and how she rose from that to really um, recreate her life. So welcome, Bianca. Hi, Renee. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here because I've been totally like fangirling you from the side and kind of watching me <laughs> <laughs> like I need to get her on. <laughs> so thank you. Of course, of course. It's so important to share our stories, to let other people know that they're not alone. And that's what I'm all about. <laughs> and, and that's so important. And you talk about an, a topic that I really haven't dived into yet. And it's one that I think just it's a hard one. But it's also such an important one because I think when someone is going through kind of what you went through, their default response is to be embarrassed and be um, ashamed and they don't want to share that because they're worried about um, judging. So I want to just dive in and start from how did you decide to start the Once Broken podcast and what was your story? 
The Once Broken podcast was really birthed out of my desire to share my story with others in the hopes that I could let someone else know that they're not alone. A lot of the things that I've been through in my life, a lot of the experiences that have been traumatic, I found myself a lot of those times completely alone. And that led to sometimes a deep depression that led to me just feeling like completely isolated from the world, feeling like I was the only one. And I feel like that made the situation so much worse. And so right now, for me, my mission is having survived the things that I've survived to let other people know that, guess what? You can survive whatever you're going through as well. How long ago did you go through that? Uh, as it relates specifically to domestic violence, it's been uh, about it's it's been about ten years. Wow. So I got married when I was nineteen years old. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, like I was a baby with no clue of what I was really getting myself into, right. and I dived into marriage this early for a couple of reasons. One of them being that as a Christian, I felt like premarital sex was not okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's another whole podcast episode (laughs) all on its own. (laughs) And so as a young person in the church, of course, you're human. You want to have sex. You want to have that connection with someone. And I feel like that was a chief motivator for me in terms of getting married. The other thing is that I was honestly madly in love with my ex-husband. I felt like he was the one because we had so much in common. We had a shared brokenness that Mm -hmm. it's hard to really explain to someone else, but I felt like he completely knew me. And I felt like the fact that he had a lot of brokenness and a lot of baggage that he was carrying as well, that no one else would understand me the way that he did. Mm. and we bonded so much over that brokenness. I really feel like that was what our relationship was built on. Right, and when you're 19, what do you know? You know, you're still trying to figure out who you are and what your place in the world is, and you haven't had much experience or even exposure to all kinds of people and relationships, and so you're still a baby. You know, it's so easy for that to happen. I don't think you're the only one who has that story. So you got married and then what happened? When did things change? Things actually started to change just before we got married. And so sometimes I'm like, how did I end up in that marriage anyway, seeing the things that I saw before? Mm -hmm. Like as we got closer and closer to our wedding date, I started to see sides of him that I'd never seen before. And I was scared of him a lot of times. Like he would be angry. He never hit me. He never hit me before we got married, but he would be angry and he would break things or he would punch the wall and mess his hand up or just looking into his eyes, I was terrified. So there were signs But as a young woman who had very low self-esteem, who felt like this was my soulmate, who felt like this was the right thing that I was doing, I overlooked all of those things. And how long were you married to him? We were married for, well, officially, (laughs) because I waited 
almost two years or close to three years before filing for divorce after we mm-hmm. got after we got separated. So, but in terms of us together living together as husband and wife, it was about a year and a half. And after that, after we separated, I waited a few years before I filed for divorce because, as someone who truly believes in the sanctity of marriage and really believes that marriage should be forever right. or till death do us part. I wanted to give him an opportunity to work on himself and to change. And I wanted to give myself an opportunity to grow and to work on myself. And that didn't happen on his part. And so I eventually pulled the plug on that marriage. Was there ever a moment when you were still together that it was like the aha moment, that light bulb moment, or was it a gradual progression? Well, the abuse pretty much started day one Mm. with him locking me in our apartment. So we had just come back from our honeymoon. We were unpacking our boxes and it was just a crazy time. It was, we were living, living in Jamaica at this time. So of course it's very hot. It's the middle of summer. I am someone who gets really bad migraines that is triggered by heat. And I was just flustered. We were looking for things. I wasn't able to find something I was looking for. And I left a bunch of things scattered on the floor. And I went outside to cool down. I wanted to just take a breather to see if my migraine would pass. And while I was outside, he called me to come inside to pick up the things that I left on the floor. And I told him, I'm not feeling well. I'll be there in a moment. He called me again. I said the same thing. He called me a third time and I didn't answer. And this made him very angry for some reason. I still, I'm still not able to fully process what happened or why things escalated the way they did because as soon as I went back into the house he slipped outside and locked me in there was no way out of the house it was a very small place it it's like the kind of place you would live in as a 20 year old Mm -hmm. who doesn't have a lot of money so it wasn't a really nice place it wasn't well ventilated it it wasn't a lot of things and he locked me in and he left and he came back about two hours later oh my god and that experience that was the the aha moment I was like what did I do to myself this was day four of our marriage wow we went on like a three-day honeymoon and this was the day after that so that was it and I feel like Maybe if that situation hadn't happened, like, I don't know where we would be today, if we would have made it, if, I don't know what would have happened. But with that situation happening on our first day in our apartment as husband and wife, that pretty much sealed the deal that this was not going to work out. Not for someone who would treat me like a prisoner in my own home. Was there a moment where you ever felt like, well, maybe, maybe I'll stay, maybe we'll make this, this work? Yes, when, when I found out that, that I was pregnant. Hmm. And that was three or four months after we got married. And at that time, I was already contemplating divorce, but just uncertain about whether or not that's a path that I wanted to take, especially, as I said, 
with me being a religious person and believing in the sanctity of marriage, I didn't want to just pull the plug right, right away. I wanted to give God time to help us to make it through this. I wanted to give us time to heal and to try to, to offer each other forgiveness and to move past this. And when I found out that I was pregnant, I felt like I had to give it a shot. Right. I had to try to give my son the kind of home that I never had and always wanted, a home with a mom and a dad. And that became really important to me. And so I continued to try for the first year of his life. And it's so, it's so common. It's why people don't file for divorce or they wait. Or you hear an older couple say, well, we're waiting for the kids to be out of high school or out of college. And, you know, and it's exactly for that reason is they want their child to grow up in a home that has a mom and a dad. And, but sometimes that's not the best option. And sometimes what you can give your child is the gift of, of walking away, you know, sometimes in situations like that. So what did, what made you, when you decided you guys were separated for, you said about a year and a half, and then you decided like, this isn't going to work and you filed for divorce. Like what happened from there? Uh, well, before, just before I filed for divorce, I asked him to a meeting. <laughs> mm -hmm. I asked him to come to a meeting with me to discuss what happened, where we are now, and how we want to move forward. Because I still hadn't fully made up my mind about divorcing him. And, and your son is about a year at this point? Yes. Well, our son was a bit older then because... I stayed with him for about a year and a half and mm -hmm. then we separated and then it was another, it was probably another two years or three years before I filed for, mm -hmm. uh, for a divorce. So it was a, it was a while. Uh, so our son was probably about three at the time when I had this meeting with him. And despite the fact that I feel like a lot of, I take of course a lot, uh, some of the blame for the things that happened in our marriage he was just not remorseful. Years had gone by and nothing had changed. And that's when I knew that this is it. It's been years and nothing is changing with you and it's just not worth it. Right. Did you have people around you who were giving you advice to stay or leave or expressing their opinions? Because anytime, uh, you, all of our friends and family have opinions, whether it's asked for or not. You, were you dealing with that as well in your decision-making process? What's funny is that the, I really didn't have a lot of people who were commenting on my decision to separate or to get a divorce because... Many of the people in my family, my mom, my sister, the people who I'm close to, most of them chose not to get married. Mm, okay. The people whose opinions I respected at the time were people who I went to church with because we were more like-minded. Yeah. And when I was going through what I was going through in my marriage, and I, I remember approaching a church sister, someone who I really looked up to, who had been married for over a decade at this time, uh, but was still young enough that she and I could relate. And I remember telling her about what was happening in my marriage. And her response was, you know, well, we all make mistakes. Like it, it, it was as though she wasn't okay with me fully holding 
my husband accountable for what was happening. Mm. The, the, the advice that a lot of people were giving me is that, well, it will work out. You just need to pray about it. You just, and yeah. because of that, I actually left the church for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother story for a whole nother episode. <laughs> I left the church for a little bit because I just didn't want to deal with the judgment that I felt was coming from some people. Maybe it wouldn't have come. Maybe it was all in my head, but I just didn't feel like I would have been supported mm. uh, in my decision to get a divorce. And so I decided to just deal with it on my own. So I didn't have anyone commenting because no one was involved in my life, really. Yeah. Like I was just dealing with it on my own. We'll be back just after this message. If you are feeling confused and overwhelmed by the divorce process, the D course can help. This video course will educate and empower you to make the best decisions for your future. Taught by an experienced divorce attorney, you will learn everything you need to move forward into your next chapter. Head on over to www.thedecourse.com for more information. You do not have to do this alone. It's it's interesting because I have kind of a similar story of I've been married um, three times now, third time's a charm, but my second one was a really toxic marriage. And I had actually gone to church and to confession for like, listen, I need some help. I need some advice and had such a, the, the priest at the time had said like, you stay no matter what was kind of the the advice. And for me, that was such a turnoff too, because it was, you know, I, I feel like I had that same experience and it was just like, but I, I need I, the just stay no matter what doesn't always work. No, you know, I, like it, sometimes you have to walk away and faith aside and, and, you know, it's what the people are telling you isn't, re isn't really the right thing to do for, for yourself, for your life, for your child, for your future. I think the stay no matter what rhetoric is quite dangerous. Yeah. Because that sometimes makes people feel like that's their only option. Right. And it's not. And sometimes that forces people to stay in some really bad situations. Right, I'm all right. about God being able to restore marriages and to restore people. But I also feel like... God has also given you wisdom and right. you have to use it. And for me, my breaking point was having my one-year-old witness his father beating me oh and God. him based on his the expression on his face, based on how he was acting. I knew that he knew that this wasn't something good and me and like looking into the eyes of my son at that time and realizing what his future could look like if I allowed him to stay in an abusive home. Right. I had to make a decision regardless of what other people thought about it. I had to make a decision because I had to do what was best for my son. And so here you are today, you have gone through that and 
it's not a pleasant journey that you've gone through, but it's one that you've made, you've made it out the other side. And that's the whole point of your message. So what is your message for someone who is listening and maybe can identify with this and is in a toxic or a domestic violence relationship and they're suffering and, you know, the same thing that you went through, what do you tell them? How do they take that first step forward and away from a situation like that? I would say it's okay to start over. I recently did a podcast episode that I called 10 Things My 20s Taught Me. And it's where I shared the top 10 most critical life lessons I learned in my 20s. And this marriage, as painful as it was, it taught me a lot of things. And that's one of them, that it's okay to start over. Hmm. A lot of times we feel like we're already in this situation, so why not stay? Right. And we do that in relationships, we do that in jobs, we do that in so many areas of our life yep. because we feel like we don't have it in us to start afresh. But I personally feel like sometimes the best place to start is with a blank slate, is just completely starting over and rebuilding your life. No matter how scary it is or how terrifying or, you know, no matter whether you think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to figure this out? You do. And it's just by taking that first step forward. And I think that that's, that's the hardest step for people is to really just put that first foot in front of the other in order to do that because the fear and the uncertainty is just so overwhelming for them. Yes, yes. And it, it, it is scary. It is <laughs> I was really scared. I was scared about so many things. I, I was like looking into the future and I was thinking about, okay, well, what's going to happen when I find a new partner and get into a new relationship? How is that dynamic going to work with my son? I didn't want my son to have to grow up with a step-parent because I had a horrible experience with my step-parent. Mm -hmm. And that was so scary and I thought about, okay, maybe he would be better off if I stayed and tried to work things out with his dad. But at the end of the day, you just have to be willing to take that risk. And today, my son has a stepfather who, <laughs> if you saw them together, you wouldn't even think that. Because he is the present parent in my son's life. He is the one that he calls dad. He is the one that's there for everything, for every bruise, for every trip to the emergency room when he has needed one, for every basketball game, for every homework assignment, right? So I feel like a lot of times we have to feel the fear. This, yeah. well, this is a cliche. I mean, we hear it all the time, but feel the fear and do it anyway. Like I was right. scared. I feel like a lot of times, and this is one of the reasons why I do my podcast because a lot of times people look at people who have made it out and have rebuilt their lives as people with supernatural strength or yeah. abilities. I am someone who was hella scared to be a divorced single mom at 21 years old. Like I was hella scared to be a statistic as I have been called. Oh, <laughs> I <no>. was, <laughs> Yes, a guy told me that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I was hella scared to face things financially alone. 
Yeah. Like so many things. I was scared about, okay, like how am I going to know when I found the one and how do I introduce this person to my child and how do I navigate this new world of singleness? There were just so many fears. But at the end of the day, I had to just be scared and just do it anyway because I knew that I was doing what was in the best interest of myself and my son. And imagine if you didn't do that. And I think like that, that fear is what holds people back or keeps them stuck or keeps them in the set status quo, whether it's a, a relationship or a job or whatever it is. And the, the hardest things are probably the most rewarding because had you not done that, you wouldn't be living the life you are now with your, your current husband and having that happiness and joy that probably at the moment in that first marriage, you probably would think was never possible. Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, I recently had an experience while trying to find a job. And I was in a job that I did not like. And I was trying to find a job in my career field, which is um, film production, TV production. And (laughs) I remember getting to a point where I was like, if I keep saying yes to the things that I don't want, I will never have the things that I truly want. And when I got to that point, I quit my job. Wow. I don't know if those were my words. I don't know where that came from, but I heard those words inside me and I was like, today's my last day. Mm. And that was scary. That was very, very scary. A month later, I'm in my dream job. Oh, these I love stories, it. <laughs> these stories sometimes seem like th- there's something that came out of a movie or something like that. But these things happen in real life. Well, you made space for it because yeah. you didn't have the space for something good like that to come into your life. And, you know, some people will get like all turned off with kind of the woo-woo talk, but you literally manifested your dream job by creating space for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's applicable in every area of our life. So you're in a bad marriage. It feels like, and I mean, everyone, I would never tell someone leave your marriage. Right. (laughs) Like I don't feel like that is ever my place unless someone truly asks, what is your opinion of what is going on? Right. Uh, So I would never tell someone just, walk away that's a decision that you would have to make what I would ask you is what do you want because at the end of the day that's a decision that I had to make is this what I want and the answer was no I don't want someone who is beating up on me and calling me names and Mm -hmm. and all of that and I mean I'm not going to sit here and be innocent. I wasn't someone that was just sitting down and taking hits and being a punching bag. Like I was fighting back and I was calling back names. Like I played a part, of course. But at the end of the day, this kind of toxic marriage was not what I wanted. And so I had to let go of it. I had to acknowledge that I had made a mistake. Because somewhere deep inside of me, I knew that I was making a mistake from day one. But I was so caught up in the frills and the thrills of getting married. Mm -hmm. I was caught up in the fact that, oh my God, I already paid for this wedding. Funny story. (laughs) I recently thought about going back to school. And when I couldn't find find a job, 
I thought about going back to school and I had already paid some money um, for my registration fees and I would lose that money (laughs) if I withdrew from the program. And when I hadn't, it's like the program was starting on Monday and this job that I'm in right now, I hadn't yet heard back. So I'd done the interview, but I hadn't yet heard back from them. So I was like, okay, what should I do? Like, should I go to school? If I go to school full time, I definitely can't take up this job offer if I get it. But then I don't want to just be not doing anything. So I decided that I am going to withdraw from the program, even though I hadn't heard back about the job. I'm going to withdraw from the program, believing that I'm going to get this job. Wow. And I lost that money, but I got the job. And I remember when it was coming up to my wedding, I was so focused on the now, the things that I'd already taken care of, the money that was paid uh, for the wedding, the, the invitations that had already been sent, the, you know, like all the frills and the thrills, all the things that I had, had already put into the preparation for this wedding. And I wasn't thinking about, oh, but what if this goes wrong? And so I think the other point is to trust your gut. Because you knew and something was telling you deep inside that this was not the, the right person for you. And there was some little nag inside you saying, well, maybe this, is, this shouldn't happen. But you listened to kind of all of that external chatter, right? The dress and the invitations and the wedding was happening. And you tuned out what was that actual voice inside of you that knew really what you should be doing. And I think it's so common for us to do that. And we, we, we turn it off. We turn like the volume way down on that inner voice and we listen to all of that outside chatter and noise and allow us to make decisions based on that. And, you know, it's, I think we do it all the time with everything, with, with life, every decision we have to make. And whether you're leaving a marriage or leaving a job or starting a business, like we're so often not listening to ourselves. Yes, yes. Another critical lesson that I shared on that episode, <laughs> which is that the answers that you're, you're looking for, they're all within you. Yeah. A lot of times, like when I was uncertain about getting married, I found myself going to like people I trusted to ask them questions about like, what does doubt feel like? And how will I know if, I ju- if I'm just having cold feet and right. like questions like those. And now at 31 years old, I know that if I have to be asking people what they think right. about this decision that I'm about to make, it obviously means that I am not sure. Yeah, I don't, know, I, who, I don't know who came up with the word cold feet because that just means your intuition. Cold feet <laughs> is not cold feet. It means that something inside you is telling you not to do this. Exactly. And, and that's it. I feel like sometimes our gut is there to, to guide us, to tell us like, when we are doing something that we're not supposed to be doing, I feel like that feeling that you get is really just your body's response to this poor decision that you are about to make. Yep. (laughs) And a lot of times we justify the feelings that we're having. We call them all sorts of names, including cold feet. And it's long after when things start to fall apart that we remember, oh, well, you know, I kind of sort of 
you know, felt a little off. I didn't feel 100% sure. When you're getting married to the person that you're supposed to be with, you will not, I don't think you will have cold feet. I'm sorry. I, I just right. don't believe that. <laughs> Absolutely. So Bianca, this half hour went by so fast and I could talk to you forever, but we have to wrap it up. So where does someone find you? How do they follow you? How do they get more of you? Um, and where do they find your podcast? Because your mission is so important. Well, my podcast is on all the major uh, audio platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, now on Amazon Music as well. And um, as Renee mentioned, it's called The Once Broken Podcast. If you want to check me out on Instagram, you can follow me at Once Broken Podcast. And in addition to sharing what's new, on my podcast, I also share a lot of motivational quotes. I'm a bit of a quote drunk. I'm a bit of a quote, quote junkie. <laughs> I love them. That's how I found you. So it worked. I love my all of them. Is all tired. Yes, I'm a bit of a quote junkie. <laughs> and you can call me a cliche if you want. But I no. do feel like these are just, they're so true. And that's what my page is about. Just sharing truth. I'll always be sharing with you whatever I'm feeling that day. And um, you can also check me out on Twitter at OnceBrokenPod. And um, yeah, like feel free to slide into my DMs. I'm always open to chatting and connecting. And thank you so much for listening to this episode today. I had so much fun uh, chatting with you, Renee. Bianca, the podcasting world is a better place because you're in it and your mission is so important. So while you were once broken, you are broken no more. So thank you so (laughs) much for being here. I really adore you. And I just thank you for sharing your story so openly and in such an authentic way. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after.